0: Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. In today's episode, we have Emma Johnson of WealthySingleMommy.com. She talks to us about her video titled, Overwhelmed Single Mom? Try this. The video talks to single moms about how 50-50 parenting for divorced and separated parents is best for kids, and also best for moms and dads. Emma Johnson started WealthySingleMommy.com when she realized a huge need for information and inspiration for women like her, the professional single mom. Immediately after launching in 2012, tens of thousands of women every month started visiting, commenting, and connecting on WealthySingleMommy.com. Then the media started calling, and she knew something special was going on. She is a best-selling single mom book author with her book, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexist Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. It hit number one Amazon bestseller list and was named by the New York Post as a smart must-read. It also got shout-outs in more than 150 media outlets. With that, here's my interview with Emma Johnson of WealthySingleMommy.com. Well, hello everybody. My name is Chris with National Parents Organization, and I'm here this morning with Emma Johnson, uh, who's created a video uh, and she runs the Wealthy Single Mommy website. Uh, Welcome, Emma, and uh, thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So Emma, tell us a little bit about this uh, video that you made. Um, How did it come about and, uh, and, and what's the reactions that you're getting?
1: Uh, sure. So I could, cr- I think you're going to show my video. I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I commissioned, commissioned it with a um, animation studio to really explain, um, my point of view or this argument that this larger argument that I'm making about mm-hmm. equally shared parenting and how it affects gender equality. So I have a, um, a large media platform, wealthy single mommy, which supports single moms, but it definitely has a progressive feminist angle on it. And, uh, I've been honing my message. I speak directly. My voice is always to single moms. There's many men of course, that follow me and support this work such as yourself. Um, But it's, it's, I think, a little bit of a new concept or something that people aren't used to hearing, hearing about why equally shared parenting is so good for women and why it's so good for equality overall. So I thought this was a really great way instead of me just yapping about it all the time or me writing about it all the time, just to have another way to help people learn because everybody has a different learning style. So that was the impetus for the video. And thankfully, it's been really successful. I just launched it a couple of weeks ago. It's several hundred thousand views. Um, Parents magazine wrote about it just yesterday, I did a talk at Google about this concept, which you know the video is just a really nice way to easily understand this idea. So it's a little bit of a calling card. Um, so we're starting to have uh, really interesting, important conversations through media, large companies, and the general public. Um, and it's it's very needed. so I'm very grateful for grateful for all of that.
0: Well, fantastic. With that, let's go ahead and we'll watch the video here.
1: Single motherhood can be totally exhausting. You do it all. Take care of the kids, run everyone to sports doctors, play dates, cook, clean laundry. Plus you work full time. I get that when you divorced, this made sense. You were the main parent and maybe even the better parent. The kids can see their dad on the weekend, but they need a primary home, right? Plus your mom, your best friend, your lawyer, Everyone told you that's what you should fight for in divorce and pay the lawyer for. But what if I told you the every other weekend schedule isn't actually what's good for kids, that it hurts kids? In fact, there are 60 peer-reviewed studies that prove that it's best for kids when they spend approximately equal time with both parents. That every other weekend schedule was developed in the 1960s, back when June Cleaver was the feminine ideal and women couldn't get a credit card without her husband's permission. Think about it. Your current setup is pretty sexist. You are responsible for the kids while he has time to focus on his career. It turns out, though, when kids spend equal time between both parents' homes, good things happen for everyone. Kids grow up seeing dads juggle family and work, manage households, and be involved caretakers. And kids grow up seeing moms as breadwinners and taking care of themselves as well as others. After all, now moms have more time to build their careers, build a life, and swipe right more often. Not only do kids benefit from bonding with both parents equally, all that lawyer money can go to the college fund. Everyone wins. So if you believe in gender equality and what's best for kids and what's best for you, start by splitting parenting time
0: 50-50. Simple. Well, that was fantastic um so what are the reactions that you've been getting to the video
1: well you know it's mostly positive it of course inspires lots of challenging conversations and the usual pushbacks which i don't think this audience is going to be surprised by but it's like well of course it's not great you know equally sure parenting isn't good in all cases well we know that we're advocating for a presumption to start at equality. Um, And it, it just opens up all of all of these um, conversations. One interesting thing that I found useful that I wasn't used to responding to was, well, Emma, you're advocating, you're saying that equally shared parenting is best for kids, but it's really just moving this shame away from, it's it's moving shame from one narrative to another narrative. So uh, traditionally we shame single moms for not being married and having a traditional two parent family. And now you're shaming moms for not having equally shared parenting when that's not possible in all cases. And it's like, well, that's fine and everything, but uh, well, one, we defer to to the science and we're urging people. And in this case, women and specifically mothers, single mothers to be working within our power to do what is best. It will never be perfect. It will never be not messy. It will always be messy. We're talking about human families here. And we're asking people to change the narrative, change the narrative away from separation and divorce as a fight. It doesn't always have to be a fight for more and more. Somebody wins, someone loses. Uh, We have to really, the impetus of my work is, Gender equality for everybody, because as it stands now, we are in a patriarchal society which punishes everybody equally, men and women equally. Men are shoehorned into the role of breadwinner, and they must sacrifice, according to our society, according to our laws, our courts, our culture, men are forced to sacrifice their fatherhoods and the relationship with their children for the sake of being a breadwinner, primarily. Women are shoehorned into the role of caregiver, and we are pressure to sacrifice our power in the external world and bread and earning and uh, political and economic power for the sake of martyring ourselves to be the primary caregiver and the parent and the mom. And so it's asking all of us to be empathetic and kind to one another and recognizing that the struggle is real all around. And we all benefit from letting go of all of all of those ideas challenging what we assumed and i can share i can say i have worked through my own struggle here i bought into all of those messages i bought into the idea that children should be with me i bought into the idea that it was a good idea to be a stay at home mom i have worked through all of those over many years myself so i understand those pressures are very real and learn to uh, and just learn to love and empathize with the other gender for the betterment of all of us for our kids of course but for Gender equality that men and women benefit both from equally.
0: So, what was it for you? Um, you know, where did when did you become or come to that realization that you know that um, you know it wasn't just so much one sided? Uh, what was mm-hmm. that like for you? And and was there a defining moment in that?
1: Um, I imagine there were a bunch of defining moments when I was a new single mom, maybe eight or ten years ago, and I had two little kids. And my kids' dad was scheduled to get them once a week and would like flake and just be like, nah, I'm gonna go to a party or I'm gonna do this other thing. So I can't. And I would just be like, blind rage. Like, how is that possible that you could just arbitrarily decide not to show up and see your beepity beep kids? And I'm doing it all, and I was earning all, the, you know, taking financial care of them, and taking vast majority logistical and time care of them, and it was just this choose your own parenting adventure, and it was so unfair. And I'm like, well, I'm a feminist. Like, how do I reconcile this situation that I co-created, that I fought for majority time of kids? I assumed this was my job as a divorced single mom that I would have the kids and he would have the every other weekend, and there was child support involved. Um, and I was just like. Uh, these just logistic, logically, this doesn't make sense. And then I have the benefit of having, you know, I started this pro this platform, Wealthy single mommy. So all of a sudden, I have bazillions of data points, I have an infinite number of anecdotes. And now I have raw data that I collect in various different ways to tell different stories. So my story was not unique, women are just so pissed off that men don't show up and do their share. But I also hear from men who are just so pissed off, if not traumatized because they have lost their children through our again, our culture and our family court system that marginalizes fathers from the day that little baby boys are born. They are told by through media messaging through our cultural messaging that they are irrelevant, that they are just like maybe a nice guy, but they're a bumbling doofus dad that's supposed to bring home the bacon and that's enough. And so of course, Dads checkout. Why are they going to show up in equal measure when we tell them that they're frivolous? They're just a paycheck. But meanwhile, women are out there. I mean, I'm an example. We go out, we make money, we have success, we're very excited about our prospects in the world. Uh, gender equality in these public spheres is, is the most trendy topic of our time. And it's a very exciting positive story in many ways, but we're ignoring the other side of the story. We're ignoring the part of the story where where are the men in that? Where are our sons in that? And we need them. We need men and we need boys to grow up to be our equals in all fronts, including at home, whether we live with them or not.
0: Yeah, I know. So much of our audience gets frustrated when they do show up to be equal, and then they're told that they can't because you know of uh, you know these old <laughs> old ways of thinking, and uh, mm-hmm. and it's really frustrating to to have to fight against that um because you do want to be a dad you do want to be a part of the kids lives and then you're told you can't but then you have to write a check right
1: that's right and well a big part of my work from the very beginning so i have an unusual story like I was a stay-at-home mom and then I'm automatically qualified for nice child support payments. But my ex-husband was unfortunately went through some very tough times of no fault of his own whatsoever and was unable to work. So I, from the very beginning, it was medical related. And I, I knew that I would have to do the financial 100%. And it was a gift in many ways because it was not because there was he won at court or because he didn't want to pay it was no one's fault i just had to step up and pay and so that forced me into hustling and thinking of myself as purely financially independent and it happened and i did it and then i was like had all this financial success and independence and it felt so amazing and meanwhile i was interacting with so many women through my my work that are you know spending so much energy, so much toxic, negative, emotional, mental energy, and money to fight for men in court for child support. And I was just like, you can do so much better. We only have so much energy in our day. What if you let that go, focus on a better co-parenting relationship and just went and made your own damn money. Like let go of these old sexist ideas that the best we can do is to be financially dependent on a man and punish him through money. And just pay your own rent. You know, you split the childcare costs and the health insurance costs and the piano lessons, just split them um and just really work be the change that we want to see as women and be that equal be be equal right be equal in every single way possible but it requires us letting go of so many old ideas and the stakes feel so high and as a mom i know so many parts of my motherhood it's overwhelming and confusing and you don't know what you know it's like do i let the kid cry it out do i Pick them up, do I like grown? my my kids are like tweens now. It's like, do I let them have a phone? I don't know what to do. And we defer to these old messages. We defer to our childhoods. We defer to what our friends are doing. We defer to media messages and and sometimes we defer to the law. And that's very human and understandable. It is on us to raise this just because those laws are on the books, just because the child support calculator may fall in your favor or you might get alimony, according to your lawyer. That does not mean it is practical, that it's good for you or your family, or that's even ethical. So I'm calling on women to really, really be such higher versions of themselves for the sake of us all.
0: Yeah. That's such an important message. And I think, uh, you know, some people get caught up in the emotion, you know, of Mm -hmm. going through the divorce and everything. And of course the lawyers are telling them, well, you should get this and you should get that. And you kind of get caught up in that whole thing. Right. And, uh, and then you're just like, yeah, he does. He owes that to me or she owes that to me. I think, uh, it's very easy to do that when you're going through the, uh, all the trauma that, that is a divorce, right? It's easy, but
1: it's like, we have to get away from this idea that we're going to punish our exes.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Like if
1: there's no reparations, okay. Somebody cheated. Somebody said you were fat. Somebody said they never loved you. Someone's all of a sudden gay. You're hurt. You know, it's right. like, it's, it's so hurtful and you had this idea about what your life was going to be like and what your family was going to look like. And there's a loss. It's a very real mm-hmm. loss that deserves to be grieved in a healthy way and taking them to court and punishing them with money, owed is you're only punishing yourself and there's no such thing as a free alimony or child support check there is a price to be paid for that conflict that's going to interfere with your parenting you're inspired now ladies to make yourself small you're less likely to go for that uh to that for that uh, promotion or that raise or because the less money you earn the more he has to pay well guess what he knows the less money he earns the less he has to pay and everybody's hiding money under the table. And it's like, take. what if you spend all that energy on doing something positive with your life, right? Let's get out of that. And I just, I do want to plug, I appreciate you plugging my video, but I, um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be pushing out. I did a large survey. I surveyed 2,300 single moms, 2,300 single moms, and asked them about their income, how they felt about themselves as moms, about their potential income, and related to their time-sharing arrangement with their kids' dads. And it's very clear, the more equality that single moms have in their time sharing arrangement, their parenting arrangement, the more money they earn, the happier they are, the more confident they are. And moms overall believe that the more equality they had in time sharing means more money they believe they could be earning, even though only 13 percent of the moms in the survey actually do have a 50 50 time sharing arrangement.
0: So what are your conversations like when you talk with women about this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to call it alternative way of thinking, but uh, certainly it's not their, the right their former, way, <laughs> the right way. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But, uh, you know, it's it's the right way. It's what we've shown scientifically is best for the kids. Right. And And what are your conversations like with women when you when they come from this place of you know well you know he owes support he owes me you know i'm going to be the one that has the kids all the time i'm going to make all the decisions um what are those conversations like and um is there something that really gets them over the hump and and yeah, makes them realize your question. point of view or
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. And that is really why I'm inspired to do this work, because I've been working on this for a long time. I'm a a media writer. I'm a communicator by profession. I've been, I used to be a, a newspaper journalist and I'm in the media all the time. And this is my skill. And I sort of like in my moments, my, you know, my quiet moments with my higher being, I'm like, where, how can I be most useful in this world? And I do feel like I have worked over many years to hone this message because I used to get really mad at these women. I'm like, well, that's so stupid. Like just don't take the child support, like grow up and be an adult. Like that and that message doesn't resonate. You know, the sad stories of someone being a victim at the hands of their ex, no one wants to hear it. Like there's I I think to be honest with you, in this movement, I've seen so many bad examples of communication. I felt like there was an opportunity to turn the tide. Um, so a couple of things I would say if you're out there advocating, every first of all, if you're talking about equally shared parenting, that is activism. You can change people's minds one-on-one. And I, whether they're my personal friends, women I connect with through work, just, uh, you know, when I do public speaking, it does change people's minds to be framing these things in a productive way. So a couple of tips I would say are one, make it positive. Don't start your story with your crazy ex and how you're a victim. Don't do that. Because we're all adults. We know there's another side of the story, right? Like it's just toxic. It's people check out. They don't want to listen anymore. Just don't do it. Don't start defensively about why, you know, whether you're talking about yourself or maybe your brother who got a bad broad deal in family court. Don't start about why they are a great dad, because that's perpetuating the stereotype that you have to be a great dad to have equal time with your, your kids. That is an inherent human right. Right. Don't perpetuate it by being defensive about it. And I understand why you may be, you know, elaborating on why somebody's such a great dad and his, because the court sets you up to prove that because your judge, your lawyer wants you to prove that. But let's turn this around. So one, talk about the facts. Always reference get your soundbite together. So the soundbite is, uh, you know, there's dozens and dozens of contemporary surveys or studies, scientific peer-reviewed studies that show that equally shared parenting is best for kids. And when we don't have equally shared parenting, dads check out and we have an epidemic of fatherlessness in this country and the stakes are high. We're not, we're talking about dropout rates, incarceration, higher risks of teen pre- pregnancy and STDs, long term employment and relationship challenges, addiction. We need dads, and the science is bulletproof. Equally shared parenting is best. And then this is where I jump in with my own jam. And if you want to cite my work, we know that it's also best for gender equality. It's very simple 50 50. Now, women, you know, back in the day, the child support thing, it made sense because in the 60s and 70s, when we had this, this every other weekend schedule was invented, it made sense because women didn't have economic power. We didn't have education opportunities or work opportunities or even legal opportunities or rights that we do today. But the tides have turned and we need to be embracing that. But in order for women to be working in equal measure, we need equal child responsibilities and child care and who better to be taking care of kids than their own freaking dads. It's very obvious. So that's those two things. And then you ask, say, well, okay, you want to fight, you want to fight and punish them, but how does that serve you? And who's encouraging you to fight? Is it your lawyer? How much per hour are you paying that lawyer? And what are you going to get out of it? And then we can point to families uh, that we know that have equality. That is hugely popular. Like I uh, uh, was speaking with a mom and her uh, ex wouldn't didn't want equal. He was like very happy with every other weekend deal. He was not into it. And she kind of bought into that initially. All the other young single moms in her circle, in her neighborhood, were doing 50-50. And, she, and that just organically, she saw what a benefit that was. Um, and so being the change you want to see. And the other thing, when, if we're encouraging or supporting people we know and love as they're going through divorce, it's very helpful. And I think important to point out that, okay, you're angry. I get it. You're hurt. I get it. But you're not, we hope that you're not this angry and hurt in six months, in one year, in two years, you have all the time in the world to develop a career where you can be earning. You're going to want to start to date. Right you might I understand that it's traumatizing to think about not seeing your kids for days on end but you will feel differently and then we we introduce stories from other separated families that we know you know I mean I can I share my own story whenever possible it's like when my I was just like I could not stand to be away from my kids they were born they were very little nursing my son and the thought of being away from him just was so traumatizing to me well fast forward a year or two and I was like dating I could not get rid of these kids fast enough I like wanted to go run off and spend the weekend with my boyfriend and I felt completely different. So open up this idea of the long story and the long path of, uh, of divorce in your new life and paint it in a positive way. So as we're, as we're establishing these beginning ground rules for your new life, keep them open to possibility. And the best way is just simple equality. Fire your lawyer, just split it down the middle and make it very elegant and simple
0: at National Parents Organization, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, how to educate legislators and try and get laws changed. Uh, But really, there's another cultural change going on in the United States. And I know, um, in my state, it's becoming more and more common to do for couples to just agree to shared parenting without the courts having to tell them to do that. So, um, you know, what sort of cultural shifts have you seen uh, with shared parenting? And, and, uh, you know, how is your work affecting that?
1: Um well it is. So I have just honestly within the last even year. So I've been doing this work for like eight years now, working with single moms. And again, my own person it wasn't like all about shared parenting at the beginning. This is something that has very much accelerated in the last few years. Um, and I it's just like it blows my mind the last couple, like one year, even so many moms, like younger moms, you know, like I think women are probably getting divorced in their, you know, 30, early 30s or something. And they're just like, presu- they're like singing my song. Like, they're like, I don't want that guy's money. I don't want your stupid money. I w- and you better take the kids half and half. And they have to, f- you know, and like, I'm going to say it. I think it's an equal, it- anecdotally, an equal measure that dads are fighting desperately for more time. And dads are not showing up to do their share. And including when the moms are like begging them to. And this is not to blame men, this is to blame our culture and our society, but these are both happening. And I really believe in, from what I can tell in equal measure. And again, I've got millions of data points here, and this is not to say that men are bad, but this is to say that this is a cultural shift that needs to happen. And women, we do have the upper hand in family court, we do have the upper hand at home we have that power and it is on us to be spearheading this movement so to answer your question yes i see a seismic shift in women getting it in a way they did not a few years ago so that is so exciting to me and i think it is an, it's just it's just natural progressive Movement, like it's, it's just an evolution of the separative family story, right? We're now in like third generation of people growing up in non traditional homes, and we're figuring it out. And this is obvious next step. And that's dovetailing with larger macro trends of just equality overall, race, gender, sexuality, all of these things are happening. And we're talking about them and it's reframing everything in a really positive way. So the idea, for example, a few years ago, I would have heard a lot more women say, oh, well, women are just inherently the better parent and bond naturally because of breastfeeding and dopamine and whatever. I don't hear that so much anymore. Right. I, people are just intuitively getting it. Um, and so, so the thing is, so it's interesting. So here's the thing. I know NPO did a really great survey, which they've done a couple of times in their, their, your report card and you grade the States and really like only what two States now, Kentucky and Arizona get, A's or A pluses and everybody else basically gets a D or an F. I'm oversimplifying, but that's the gist of it.
0: There's a few states in there with C's, but uh, you know, overwhelmingly <laughs> the majority are, are at the bottom half of the scale.
1: Yeah, they and, stop. Uh, but that's, they that's looking at the laws on the books, which are so important. Right. But laws are not the only way that we change the world. Culture change and policy change, they go hand in hand and they're interconnected. And I always look to gay marriage. It's a very interesting model. I think that's relevant to what we're doing here, Chris. And it's like, I, I just remember, like, you know, I think it was 2013 when the Supreme Court ruling came down and we're all like, what? Where did that come from? Like a minute ago, we were debating whether like, you know, all gay people should be locked up. And then all of a sudden we have like Supreme Court ruling gay marriage. It seemed like it came out of nowhere, but it didn't. This was just a pent up momentum that was happening in our culture. And it's there's always gonna be a push and pull between the judiciary. Well, so there's the courts the judiciary how judge rules because a judge can rule 50 50 if they want even if the law in their state is like you know, minimum 25% time or whatever baloney. And then in our culture, like you said, it becomes a norm in a family or in a community or in a neighborhood. And that just becomes what you assume. So you can just do whatever you want and you end up doing the right thing. And then if we have laws, so I've been following very closely what's happening in Kentucky, uh, which everyone listening to this, I'm sure knows three years ago, they passed like really the strongest equally shared parenting law in the country. And 11%, the number of family court cases filed in Kentucky has dropped by 11% as the state population grows. So that's not even a real number. It's like even actually percent higher. And meanwhile, also the typical pushback, I hate to even give it a lot of lip service, like the domestic violence people come in and say that um, typically in fighting against equally shared parenting laws, that, that equally shared parenting laws will promote or facilitate domestic violence which we can, we can easily combat that with a lot of common sense. But here we have actual raw data that says no in Kentucky in that period, three years, domestic court, d- domestic violence cases attached to family court cases dropped by 4%. It dropped. So, uh, you know, so we see the culture changing and it's all interconnected. So I, personally, I am not a policy person inherently. I, I would, wouldn't mind getting involved in policy, um, but policy is really hard. You know, it's like, I understand, like, you feel passionate about this. You want to change the law. Well, if you don't have money, you don't have connections. You don't know how to work the system. You don't feel comfortable talking to people of authority. You know, it's it's so, so hard. And this movement is not that well organized in terms of policy reform because it is state by state and there's a lot of reasons why. But collectively, there, that activism, it can happen, again, person to person if we hone the message and make it a positive, productive fact, science-based discussion. And that is, and that's how we make change.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people are frustrated with the courts simply because they are so slow to change. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you have a lot of judges that have been there a very long time and they're not really willing to do things much differently than they did 20, 30 years ago. But I mean, the fact is our society is changing in an enormously quick pace. When you look at things overall, Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, 20 years from now, our, our social norms are going to be much different than they are today. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a great conversation around how, you know, our, our, our social norms are just changing, you know, almost on a daily basis.
1: They really uh, are. You
0: know, and, and certainly with COVID and, you know, all the crazy things that have happened in 2020, um, I think that's just accelerated, uh, you know, some of our, our crazy change, you know, Which normally happens over a much slower period. So, um, well, that's
1: one another thing I often say when we're trying to change people's minds. I say, all right, how are your children going to view your parenting schedule? And when they grow up and become parents and are evaluating their childhoods. And I equate it to like, you know, our, let's say grandmothers, I mean, my grand, like that generation of women, like they were having like five o'clock cocktails and smoking packs of Marlboros while they were pregnant because they, whatever, there's bad advertising (laughs) because they didn't know better. And now we look back and we like totally judge them. Like what the hell, like (laughs) smoking and drinking when you're pregnant. That's insane. Shame on you. And I think it's going to be the same. And it's already happening. I see women that are, you know, mothers with kids under 18 of this generation looking back and they're like, oh my God, my mom just like lived off the alimony. Here she is. She's in her 70s, 60s, or 70s, and she's still mad at my dad about some some of my money he didn't pay. And she did it all. It's like and they're judging their mothers because their mothers were not progressive or positive, you know, even though their mothers were the victims of the system too. Like we it was a different time that I hope we can be empathetic to. But there comes a point when we know better and we still do it. And there should be some shame attached to that. And I think that can be a very imp- powerful social movement. Despite what Brene Brown may tell us, I do think that is important <laughs> to frame it because we do care what our parents are going to think our kids are going to th- think of us in the, in the future.
0: Yeah. Shame, shame is definitely a very powerful thing, and it's something that's not you know well understood by a lot of people. I mean, Brene's written some wonderful stuff about it, but uh, you know, even in the several books that she's written about shame, I, I still don't think the average person really grips that, right?
1: Right. No, yeah. it's um, it's, yes, uh, yeah, it's it's yes, exactly. But so, but one more little thing, I idea put in people's brains. I mean, by go, like, you know, when moms go to court and they say, I want the data to take more time, the judges never do it. I mean, they're like, we can't make anybody show up and be a parent. if They don't want to, which is total baloney because by, you know, my a, a tweet I put out recently, it's like, okay, if a mom wants 50% and the dad only wants 30%, where do the kids go? The remaining 20% do they go to an orphanage? No, they, it's a presumed that the mom picks it up because that's mom's jobs that moms are supposed to do that. Like there's no, you know, that just happens. No one questions whether that's right or wrong. It just is. So we have to start changing that. But even by going and asking that's activism, that is informing the judge and the clerk and all the lawyers in the room that this is, women are over it. We want equality, you know? And when you go, as I have to family court and say, I don't want child support. Like I'm in New York. i I don't know how it is, but you have to like, women have to like prove or the recipient, which is almost always women uh, have to prove like the, all the questions that I get asked when I say, no, I don't want child support or I want to deviate. So even if you want less. So for example, in my case, we don't do child support per se. We just split like approximate the kids expenses, their health insurance and sports and music or whatever, and split it down, you know, split it down the middle. And then, but it does go through the family court system. Um, that, that uh, cost sharing goes through the family court system. I have to go and say, literally, they asked me, were you intoxicated or under the influence of drugs when you made this decision? Because only a stone woman would turn down child support. They're like, you know, they start asking questions to suggest that like, I potentially had been like threatened with violence to turn down child support. I'm laughing. I know there are very real cases where there's people are drugged and threatened with violence or actually suffer from violence to have these cases amended. But it goes to show you how like rare they are. So when I went in there, like, and I'm just like, no. And I say, I'm like, we're each paying our own way. We're splitting the time. Uh, we're each paying our own expenses, our own rent and utilities and food. And this is just cost sharing to make it fair. And I had... <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. My ex's lawyer was in the room. Afterwards, she sent me a message and told me I was a class act. Okay, he's paying hard. to compliment me about how I'm behaving in family court. And I was like, of course, that's great for my ego. But this is how we change things. We show everybody in the system what is possible by raising, elevating this thing to our higher selves. Go and work through your higher selves, ladies, for the betterment of everyone.
0: Yeah, certainly keeping the courts out of your case, you know, as much as possible is uh, advantageous, I think, to both parties, you know, because um, oftentimes, you know, like I said, judges just want to keep doing what they've been doing. And uh, states are incentivized to collect as much child support as they can and and run that money through the system because they get federal money for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's that's on our federal government to change that because that's not how the system should work. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, But I would it's...
1: urge people like, yeah, title IX money. It's super important. And we can't be talking about shared parenting without talking about the money, but mm-hmm. it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole because I can put out a YouTube video. I can have a meaningful conversation. I can, you know, I can, I can change the world by figuring out how to talk to about this to everyday people. I'm not seeing anybody make any significant inroads in title IX reform. And especially if you are not a Washington insider, it's not happening anytime soon. So I really would love to see some more activism, but but if we change our culture and there's a groundswell, especially from women that says, federal child support thing is holding women down. It is keeping women back. It's a defunct system that doesn't even work. It does not even get the money to the people that need it most. If we start figuring out from women how to do this, then we have a shot at title nine reform but until then until we start to have a more positive productive progressive media message i don't see that happening anytime soon
0: yeah it's certainly a slow change and and you're right i think change from within washington is extremely difficult and slow Uh, and it's, it's going to take, you know, the people to, to just start changing their habits and, and what they do. And, um, I think that's going to be a much more effective way to enact change in this, in this, uh, Mm -hmm. particular instance. But, you know, I I think if you look at social change overall, um, it always seems to be like a pendulum, right? Uh, it'll be far on one side and then it'll swing kind of to the other side. And then after a while it sort of settles in the middle. Um, so hopefully we're seeing a little bit of that pendulum swing here and, uh, Hopefully in the future it'll it'll settle out to where it's it's fair for everyone.
1: I'm so hopeful. I do see so many positive signs as it is now. So I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing.
0: Oh, well, we we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I mean, what advice would you have for somebody who wants to have this conversation with, you know, uh, maybe not a, an ex, but maybe with a friend or mm-hmm. uh, with somebody that they know that's in this situation? What sort of guidance would you give them um, around, you know, making sure that the situation is fair for both parties?
1: Well, you know, you're not. So If, if let's say we're talking to women who are often the gatekeepers in this. You know, if they're like, well, you know, the kid should be with me. I'm the mom. It's like, well, okay, here's the science. You can always defer to the science. Um, You know, and then maybe somebody's nitpicking. Like I just heard from a woman. She's like, yeah, but why should it be equal? Because he doesn't do a good job rinsing the dishes. There's too much dish soap left on the dishes. And I said, well, okay, let's think about this. Let's imagine you go in front of a judge and the judge is like, all right, this guy's a really good person regardless of whether that's even relevant. I, I don't think it's relevant. He's a good dad who wants to be equally involved with his kids. And you're saying he shouldn't have equal time with his kids because of the way he washes dishes. You know, I would tell you, like, go look at my kitchen as we speak. And my DCFS should probably come and take my kids because it's disgusting, right? Are we really going to nitpick? And by if you're going to set that up, you know, I would say it's like, well, if you're going to set that up, you're looking at like tens, tens of thousands of dollars of legal fees because of dish soap. You know, by the time you get done with this argument, the kids are going to be old enough to wash and rinse their own dishes. This is, I I think you can do better for yourself. And then it's also recognizing, I get you're in trauma. I get you're angry at him and you're totally legitimate in your feelings and how you're angry. And it's sad to think about being away from your kids. I am away from my kids. It makes me feel very sad. But in months and years, you're going to want to date. You're going to have a new career that's going to demand a lot of your time. It's going to be very exciting. I believe that you can do amazing things with your life. And all the single moms I know, they relish their kid-free time. they use that to work and to work out and to go hang out with girlfriends and go date and have a great sex life. And they thrive with that time. And then when it's time to go have time with your kids, you're refreshed and you enjoy them. And I know it's hard for you to see that right now, but trust me, you're going to be so much happier if you keep this door open for a positive co-parenting experience going forward, um, instead of starting it off with this ugly fight that doesn't even really make sense.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times people um, lose sight of the fact that, you know, there is, you know, what they're dealing with is sort of a short-term thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how they're feeling emotionally, and there's m- very many uh, long-term consequences. And I think a lot of people lose sight of those, uh, those long-term, you know, that, that long-term vision, if you will, um, and and really focus on that short-term emotional turmoil. Because, you know, the decisions you make, Early on in a separation can really impact you for years to come, mm-hmm. and uh, and cause a lot of trauma, and 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 that's not good because trauma gets. We know trauma gets carried into multi generations, right? It gets passed it becomes, down, Yes,
1: so. that's like such incredible research. It be, we like it becomes part of our DNA. It's like, oh my gosh, you want your kids to be like, you know, your great grandchildren to <laughs> to be suffering from your dish soap war. in a hundred years. It's such a
0: silly thing. I mean, (laughs) oftentimes in, in court, you you know, you hear about these stories of, you know, things that people get hung up on and it's like, really, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, it's, it's such minute things, but they're, people are so emotionally attached to them, uh, you know, that they, they become the hill that they, they want to die on, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to hear, you know, some of the stories, uh, you know, people are just, uh, the system's not set up to have people, you know, look at, logically they're, you know, the, the long-term outcomes of some of these things and
1: it's set up to um, fight and to profit the courts and right. the and the lawyers and w- it, collectively as a society, we can do better.
0: Yeah. I I totally agree. And I, I think it's happening slowly, but it, it's just taking time. I think, you know, more and more folks are, are not involving the courts in these sorts of things. And that's, that's a good thing uh, because then they have more freedom to do what's right for, for both of them, you know? Um, but I want to touch on too, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, how dads, uh, sometimes don't show up and, and that can be incredibly frustrating. And I, I know some people in that situation and it's, uh, for me as a man, it's really, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me to kind of swallow because, you know, I'm, I, I'm not been that person that, you know, is going to mm-hmm. prioritize my, you know, social life over my kids um, you know, and I've, I've you know, I'm very involved in my kids' lives. I have 50-50 with them, and you know, do all their sporting things and school things and all that. But and it's so difficult to watch these other dads that just decide they're not going to show up. But I think it's a good point that you brought up uh, that sometimes maybe they don't feel like they should show up because there's going to be conflict with the ex, or because you know they they just you know the the system has beat them down so bad, you know, that they don't feel like they can participate. Um so I think we need to do a better job as a society is uh including, you know, dads overall from the you know from the very beginning even from you know with married families, right? And changing birth. that dynamic. I mean to be and messaging birth, yeah. to
1: boys that how important they are to the world. I mean it's mm-hmm. it, you know we can't have female success at the expense of male success. That's not equality and that's not progress. Um and the other th- the other reason dads I, I think don't show up it's like if, it's, if you haven't seen your kids for two weeks, because that's the parenting schedule, kids grow and change so much in two weeks. And that's like, it's, you know, it's like one, you're like, holy smokes, who is this kid? I missed out so much, not seeing them for two weeks. It's so hard to get a groove on with parenting in a meaningful way, you know, just like a routine and a rhythm of parenting. If you're not seeing your kids often and regular, you know, for large periods of time and regularly, and it just can be so heartbreaking. You're like, I'm just like the satellite in my kids' lives. And it's so depressing. It's easier for me to check out and go start another family somewhere else where I can feel needed and have, have that experience or otherwise find joy because it can be so devastating and traumatic for dads to be marginalized like that.
0: Yeah. And in the traditional, you know, family court situation, it, it happens so much. It's, it's really heartbreaking to see. But uh, yeah, so I think uh, we're we're definitely making uh, inroads and in, in including dads more, but uh, certainly keeping have keeping those conversations live, I think is is going to help out, and um, you know, and and it's uh, it's just something that uh, it, it the changes needs to happen.
1: Main business that I've had for many years is wealthysinglemommy.com, and I do speak about equally shared parenting and some of these topics. Though I did last year started uh, momsforsharedparenting.org, which is just a load, some information and some tips on messaging, um, specifically around equally shared parenting.
0: Oh, fantastic. Um, and we'll put those, uh, websites up in the notes and, uh, and so what's next for you, Emma, um, anything big on the horizon here or, uh, what can we expect up- next?
1: Sure. Well, I'm super excited about this survey. I mentioned we're building out a white paper and we'll be pitching it to the media. So I'm really hoping that, I mean, there's nothing else like that out there that I could find, which is why I did it in the first place. So I'm really excited that that's going to be a conversation starter. And I'm also working on another book. I've written a couple of books already for single moms, but this one's specifically about equally shared parenting as a tool for gender equality overall.
0: Well, Emma, thank you so much for coming on today, and we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to have this conversation with us. And uh, for all the work that you do, you're doing some fantastic work, and uh, and we hope that everybody takes the time to go out and check out your websites and read some of your books and follow you on Twitter. Where else can we uh, can we find you? You're on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Yep, Monster Shared Parenting on Facebook and Twitter. It's Fifty um, Fifty Moms.
0: All right, fantastic. Well, thanks so much, and uh, we will talk with you again.
1: Thanks a lot, Chris.
0: Now that was recorded on video, so if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit SharedParenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the SharedParenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, Those sorts of things. so go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide.